Welcome to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast, where we invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience, heal your heart while refining your character, and set you up to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. I'm your host, Karen McMahon, founder of Journey Beyond Divorce. My divorce brought me to my knees, and it also transformed me and set me on this path to help you. Our team of JBD coaches support men and women to engage in divorce with more calm, clarity, and confidence through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Because there's all of these emotions swirling around and someone who I don't want to, you know, I, I tend to have over compassionate and I tend to have a hard time with boundaries. And, I, you know, it's like this sort of I almost want to kind of take people through. OK, what do you have to do first? I mean, what do you have to do then? And I think that for me, it's it's getting into that grounded place of discernment to kind of really clear out what's going on and say, what is it that I need that I'm not getting? And to start there and then build from, OK, this is what I need that I'm not getting. What is it about this person that's making it hard for me to get that, you know, and kind of, and then going to them before, you know, start with you and and what you need is rather than a a boundary, meaning the wall goes up, a boundary, meaning this is what I want to claim for me, right? It's, It's a proactive boundary rather than a reactive boundary. Welcome to JBD Team Talks with your host, Karen McMahon. During Team Talks, you get a chance to meet our JBD coaches as we discuss challenges and difficulties that are common to everyone facing divorce and provide you with tips and strategies to help you master the art of managing your thoughts, calming your emotions, and intentionally choosing your responses. And now for today's topic. Welcome back to another episode of JBD Team Talks. I'm here today with Diane. Hey, Diane. Hey, Karen. I'm excited for this conversation. Today, Diane and I are talking about balancing compassion and boundaries when dealing with a complex spouse. I'm going to say that differently. I'm going to start over. Okay. Welcome back to another episode of JBD Team Talks. I'm here today with Diane Dempster. Hey, Diane. Hey, Karen. I'm really excited for our conversation today. Me too. Uh, Diane and I are discussing balancing compassion and boundaries when divorcing a complex spouse. And there's so much to this that we've got a lot of details and tips and strategies to share with you. Uh, Would you like to kick us off talking about um, what we mean by complex spouse, Diane? I do. And and I'd like just a little bit of backstory. Part of where this comes from, I have a client about four months ago who was really struggling. She really wanted to end the relationship and her husband was an alcoholic. And it was one of those situations where she, like, she could see he was really struggling. She wanted to be there for him. 
She wanted to be a good partner, but he was just not able to be a good partner, was really causing a lot of stress and trauma in their relationship. And she was stuck because it's like, I, I want to care for this person. I want to be compassionate for this person. This person has a really difficult situation with their alcoholism and I got to figure out how to take care of myself. And this happens in my world as well, because I'm working with couples where one person might have anxiety and not being managing it, or they might be significantly depressed, or they might have ADHD and not be managing their impulsivity. So we're really talking about things like uh, mental health issues, um, addiction, bipolar, I mean, all of the narcissism, I mean, all those things where there's some sort of neurology, I guess is kind of the word I would use involved in the process. And, and that's really what we're talking about is compassion and boundaries and kind of how to deal with it because it is really a complicated issue. And, you know, years ago, Diane, you and I were talking about, I think both my ex-husband and my daughter, and you shared this question with me, is it naughty or is it neurological? And that to me was a game changer because it really helped me to step back and look at the behavior through a different lens, which is, I think, part of what we want to talk about today. Yeah. You know, it's the value of perception, right? It's a sort of how you look at any situation impacts how you're able to act in a situation, right? And it's this sort of, if if you see your spouse as rude and inconsiderate and terrible and, you know, whatever else, I mean, it's like, I can come up with all kinds of crazy words, but it's like this sort of, if you see them as just behaving badly, you're going to be frustrated and angry and want to just push away if you can say, wow, my spouse is having a really hard time communicating with respect right now, or my, wow, my spouse is having a really hard time managing their drinking, or wow, my spouse is having a really hard time. I mean, if we can shift that perspective and see the hard time they're having, and and part of the problem in that, Karen, is that a lot of these people don't look like they're having a hard time. I mean, when you're talking about somebody who's got narcissistic challenges, it's like, they don't look like they're having a hard time. They look like they're just being an asshole. Can I say that? I guess I can say that on your yes, podcast. You, <laughs> but, you know, it's like they, they're just, it looks like they're just being a jerk, right? right? And, but if I can say, okay, well, what if they're not a thousand percent a jerk, right? And the goal here is not so much to give them a break. Absolutely not trying to give people a break for bad behavior. The goal here is that if you can, if you get defensive and frustrated and irritated and scared or whatever else, you're going to handle the problem and the, the situation very differently if you go, wow, there's some part of this that this human is having a hard time with. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that in some ways, what just crossed my mind is there's a difference between judgment and discernment. And yeah. what we're talking about is when we can discern that, yes, the behavior is utterly displeasing. Not okay. <laughs> And not okay. And yet I know that underneath the behavior are issues, challenges, difficulties that this person is having either because of their addiction, alcoholism, or mental health challenges that softens, um, that, that gives us the opportunity, invites us into having uh, a softer or maybe broader perspective on what's going on. And there's another thing that you say all the time that I just want to throw on the table, which is um, uh, always assume best intent. 
And that also is very hard with the narcissist because their their behavior is so displeasing. And anyone who's just in a triggered, reactive state is it's hard to imagine best intent. But if we can start looking at what do I know about this person? What do I know about um, how they're wired and what their challenges are? And how does that help me soften my heart to what they're struggling with and how does that change how I interact with it? Well, and and here's what's coming up as you say that is that um, you talk about softening your heart, right? And assuming best intention. If we were to see, let's just pretend for a second. If we were to see every unwanted behavior from our spouse, not as bad behavior, but as something that's really, that they're really struggling with from a neurological perspective, from an addiction perspective, from a whatever it is perspective. Again, we're not trying to make the behavior okay, but if, if we can say, wow, this is what's going on and not go to a place of judgment, not go to a place of getting triggered ourselves. I mean, how many of us are getting triggered by our spouse's behavior? And it's like, they can't treat me like that. The wall goes up. And we're no longer problem solving. We're fighting because we're in a trigger. We're in a triggered state. And then we kind of do this whip flash back. And then this is what happens in marriages when addiction is involved all the time. It's like this sort of because the person's almost two personalities. Well, when they're drunk, they behave this way. When they're sober, they behave that way. I mean, that's part of my personal story as well. Karen, we've talked about that before. It's like you can't you end up in this pendulum of back and forth because you see this kind compassionate person and then when they're when they're under the influence they're just not and you you end up feeling it's schizophrenic yourself i mean i don't know how to to say it you end up like thinking all these different things at once Going through a divorce is challenging. It involves many issues, legal, financial, emotional, and social, and requires the guidance of a seasoned legal team to achieve optimal outcomes. That's the promise of Laufer, Delena, Jensen, Bradley, and Doran. Choosing the right family lawyer could be the most important decision you make in the divorce process. There's life after divorce, and Laufer's team helps you to get there. Providing options to mediate, arbitrate, collaborate, or litigate, the firm handles issues such as alimony, custody, child support, and equitable distribution. Each case is staffed with both a male and female attorney as their clients benefit from having both gender perspectives on their side, and that distinguishes their firm. You can get your free consultation today by calling 973-285-1444 and mention that you heard about them on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. Yeah. And I think that's part of it. And I know going through my divorce, I definitely felt crazy. I felt insane because my term was that my ex was consistently inconsistent. And so I never knew quite what I was going to be facing or how he might show up. And so I was at that point in my life, a pretty sloppy, reactive, hot mess. 
and there was no compassion on the table and there was there was hurt and anger and blame and accusation and i mean i was all of those things yeah. and um and what i know uh looking back I and mean, given the work i do with people is that so did not serve either of us it it added to his feelings of shame and guilt and anger and being put down and less than and it didn't move the ball in the direction we wanted it to go in. And I think that's the, the foundation of today's conversation is how do you um, have that shift your perspective enough to have compassion? And then in a little while, while still we'll talk about boundaries and still protecting yourself. Well, and actually, I was going to say it a different way, because the reality is the goal of compassion is not for them. I mean, I want to be really clear. Com having compassion, it's sure it's going to help the other person if you have compassion for them. Having compassion is for you, right? It's a sort of, if I can stay in a place of compassion, I can use that as a tool to be able to stay in discernment and problem solving and, and look at my situation and say, what's okay for me? What's not okay for me? Be discerning in how I establish a boundary instead of reactive in, in terms of how I set a boundary. And how many times have you ever been like, I'm never talking to them again, right? It's this sort of thing. And, but if I'm in a place of compassion, I totally can get where they're at. I understand that their behavior may not be in their control. And this is where I got to draw the line. This is how, what I got to do to take care of myself. That it's a very different way of approaching a boundary, which could be an important part of what you need to do in that kind of a relationship. Absolutely. And if you haven't tuned in, Diane and I did a four part series on being triggered and what that does to you and how you can get hijacked by your reaction. And so if you haven't listened to that, go back in, in your podcast library and, and listen to those because that's going to really help you kind of connect the dots with what we're talking about today. And so uh, you know, what I'm hearing, Diane, is uh, when when we're engaging with these complex personalities and we can step back, be discerning, have compassion, which means really stay rooted in a part of our brain that allows us to uh, problem solve and think more clearly, then we're bringing value to ourselves and where we're looking to go in this uh, dialogue and the relationship in general. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I, um, I have a friend who went through a divorce in the last several years and was so angry with the situation. He ended up actually giving away more than he wanted to in the, in the divorce settlement. And, and now four years later is going, oh my gosh, I can't believe I agreed to that whole thing with the house, right? It was all about the house. And it was like, he was just so infuriating. And it's like, finally, it was just like, forget it and like signs the paper because he was just so upset and triggered by this situation. And that's why kind of staying in that place of compassion and discernment becomes so important because you want to make conscious decisions as you're going through a divorcing process rather than reactive decisions. Your future self will appreciate that in some instances. <laughs> Well put. And if the other person is dysregulated uh, and you have the capability of deciding to stay regulated and stay in that um, more mindful place, 
uh, you're helping. And of course, when children are involved, you're just helping everyone a lot more. And so what's the, let's just talk about where um, having compassion could be a slippery slope for some people. Yeah, no, and it's hard, right? Because there's this, there's this thing on the other side of compassion that looks a lot like codependence, right? It's this sort of, especially in, in situations where you're dealing with alcoholism or um, mental health issues, depression, anxiety, those sorts of things. It's really easy to kind of be in that caretaking role where you're doing it in a less than healthy way. And so a lot of us have a hard time kind of we, because we're overly compassionate and it's like this sort of, we, we almost forgiving too much is the wrong language, but it's like this sort of, we're overcompensating for their challenges and saying, Oh, that's so hard for them. And, and then we, we, we don't have any boundaries and we just kind of end up being walked all over kind of is the way I would say, what would you, what would you add? Yeah. I think that, um, when, if you know that you have uh, that that codependence or being overly caring is an Achilles heel, then you have to keep a real close eye on that. Because for me, the rule is if I'm taking care of someone else over taking someone else's wants over taking care of my needs, I'm in the wrong neighborhood. And so can I be compassionate? Can I find my way to compassion without throwing myself on the floor and being the doormat. And and that's the key, because if you can't, if being compassionate for you listening right now is a slippery slope into more of the same of what you're trying to pull yourself out of, then, then the key is how do I take care of my needs first and then be able to be open and considerate of what my spouse might be struggling with. Well, and so it's almost like I, you have to go ahead. I was just going to say, it's almost like you have to just turn it around a little bit and make sure you're taking care of your needs first, because that's what we usually, you know, throw aside in that codependent place. Well, and I was going to say it slightly differently, which is this sort of, you were talking about compassion and, and I was saying compassion is for you, right? It's this sort of, what if, you know, you have a, an agreement with yourself. This is sort of, I'm going to bring compassion to this situation and I'm going to have as much compassion for myself in this situation as I am going to have for the other person in this situation so that you're honoring both people with compassion and going, oh, well, I'm going to have compassion for me because I tend to be one of those people that people maybe take advantage of more often, or I tend to not stand up for myself or what it, you know, it's like, so I know that's who I am. This is who this other person is. You can problem solve with that conscious awareness of who's who you both are underneath it and having compassion for those those people underneath the people, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that does make sense. And I think this is also where the topic of boundaries comes in. Because yeah. even if if you can have self-compassion, because you're 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 um if codependence is an issue for you, then you've been beating yourself up as well as whoever else has been beating you up, right? And so that self-compassion is such a key piece. And if you're if if having compassion for the other person just naturally because of patterns leads to you uh, doing more for them than for you, that's where 
understanding boundaries and beginning to practice boundaries comes in. And as you and I were talking about offline, you know, a boundary is not a slam door in your face. Like that's, that's a compassionless boundary, but there's a way of setting boundaries so that you're protecting yourself. And yet, um, you know, in codependence, no more, they talk about, um, letting go with love. They talk about detaching from the other person's reaction and feelings. And so you can set a boundary that is aligned with your compassionate heart and still takes care of your need to protect yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so let's talk a little bit about that discernment and how to, how, you know, it, it, what's coming up for me is that because there's all of these emotions swirling around and someone who I don't want to, you know, I, I tend to have over-compassionate and I tend to have a hard time with boundaries. And I, you know, it's like this sort of, I almost want to kind of take people through, okay, what do you have to do first? I mean, what do you have to do then? And I think that for me, it's, it's getting into that grounded place of discernment to kind of really clear out what's going on and say, what is it that I need that I'm not getting? And to start there mm-hmm. and then build from, okay, this is what I need that I'm not getting. What is it about this person that's making it hard for me to get that? you know, and kind of, and then going to them before, you know, start with you and, and what you need is it, rather than a, a boundary, meaning the wall goes up a boundary, meaning this is what I want to claim for me, right? Is this a proactive boundary rather than a reactive boundary? Right. Is, is there a particular process you work through with clients when you're trying to help them with that balance? Well, so I think that, that, that first step is exactly what we do. And then I think that, that the, perspective, the perspective you have about what your spouse is doing and why he or she is doing it becomes the the second piece. And that discernment is, um, what do I know to be true? And what patterns have I experienced before? And part of this may require you to have an open mind. Like I know with alcoholism, I was speaking to someone and they were like, kind of bullshit. It's a disease. It's just a bad behavior and he or she can. So part of it is, you know, for our listeners where you're at, but if you have an understanding of mental health challenges and of the fact that addiction and alcoholism is in fact a disease, then you can start using that discernment to say, okay, the behavior is displeasing. What do I know to be true about where the behavior comes from? And so often, if we're married to somebody with those kinds of challenges, we know about their family of origin. We know what they came from. We know what their wounds are. And while um, you don't have to fix or get deep into what their their wounds and difficulties are understanding them is that discernment like they're coming from this place i had this client her partner came from such a hostile household that he his communication was close to abusive, um, but there was this understanding that it was the only way he was ever taught to communicate. When we get that understanding, that's where we can be discerning about the root of it. And I think that's where uh, we can then invite the client into saying, well, given what you know, right, keeping in your logical mind more, you know, what are your options for how to move forward? What do you typically do? How does that work? And what are your other options that might um, lead you down a better path? 
Well, and what's coming up is you're saying that, right? So I, I've got a client with the same situation, childhood trauma. And um, so his communication style in the marriage is just broken, right? And it's this sort of, so the fact of the situation is you're in a relationship with someone who's not able to communicate at the same level that you're able to communicate. And the second thing, okay, so is this person in a place where they're interested in, in changing that? You know, are not necessarily that they have to go back and deal with their childhood trauma, but are they in a place where they want to be able to communicate better? Nope, they're not. They think they're fine. They're, you know, so then it's this sort of, okay, this is what's going on for this person. You could spend a lot of time going, oh my gosh, but their childhood, but their child, I mean, we're not talking about that. We're not talking about really like over explaining what's going on for them. It's, but it's saying, okay, you know what, this is what's going on for this human. Do I do I want to continue to be in a relationship with someone who cannot communicate effectively, who's not interested in changing that? Yeah. Or do I need to make a discerning decision that this is not, that trying to continue to communicate the way I've been communicating is just not going to work? Yeah. And I think, you know, a little bit of a shift with that. Uh, if I've already decided or the other person's decided that that we're not we're not going to um, remain partners with so many of our clients, you still have to remain co-parents. So yes, even absolutely, even if you're if you're listening and going, no, 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 I'm done with him or her. <laughs> you're if there's you still kids, figure out there's still going to be some type of communication and. And, and that's what we're talking about. How do you figure out the best way of communicating? And if what you've been doing, and this is this took me a long time to learn, like I kept doing the same thing over and over again and kind of throwing emotional grenades, blowing up the room until I, I got to a point where I was like, this isn't working. We have these two beautiful people we've brought into the world together. How do we begin to do this differently? And sometimes... It required, for me, it required a lot of boundaries. It required really limiting communication so that the communication that we had um, was very important and was, and there was a narrow lane. And so the really high conflict people, you know, we're, we're told like very little, if any verbal communication, um, if any communication, you have brief, informative, firm and friendly in your texts and your emails. And so that's one way of setting a boundary with communicating is, is if it's particularly uh, high conflict, then you have compassion for yourself so that you can calm your voice. Because what happens when we get reactive, right? Our, our volume goes up, our pace goes up, our, like everything gets more hostile sounding. And so you, you, you um, boundary yourself in that. Are you emotionally overwhelmed, heartbroken, bitter, paralyzed by fear? In order to effectively navigate the significant decisions before you and skillfully master your life after divorce, you must attend to your emotional recovery. Our 12-step divorce recovery program is an emotional roadmap that guides you to feel clearer, stronger, and more in charge of yourself. Thousands have emerged transformed by the lessons, strategies, and tools our roadmap provides. 
Divorce will change your life. Enroll in the 12-step divorce recovery program today and ensure that the changes will be life-enhancing. Go to divorcerecoveryprogram.com to enroll. Let's talk a little bit, Diane, about lesser conflict. So people who are um, who do have the possibility of uh, communicating a little bit more regularly and in a healthier way. Yeah. Well, and what was coming up for me as you were saying that, and I love, I've never heard Biff before. I just wrote that down. Brief, informative, firm, and friendly. I love that. That's from Bill Eddy, who's like the grandfather of all high conflict. Okay. So, so I think that the, the thing that was coming up as you're saying that if you have the ability to be discerning and to be calm and patient, it's, picking the time to have the conversations, right? Mm-hmm. It's just sort of, if you've got someone that you are that you know is dealing with alcoholism or mental health issues or depression, it's like this sort of finding those moments, right? It's just sort of, you know, you might not want to, if they're, if they're on a rebound and they're in the middle of a guilt or a shame spiral, may not be the best time to have a conversation, right? It's just sort of, you might need to, and I know that sounds a little codependent to be like walking on eggshells. This is, the, this is the right time to have the conversation. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being discerning and going, is this human available for a communication with me or not? Right. They're not. And so why am I bothering to try to have this conversation right now? And, and again, it's this sort of, and then grounding yourself and saying, okay, what it is, what's it that I'm asking for? How do I connect with this person and, and try to see if I can find the middle ground versus knowing where, you know, this is going to be something that I feel strongly about. They don't get it. You know, it's, so it's really kind of navigating through the, the communication in a way that um, is led with the compassion and the understanding with the sense of the boundary and the control, self-control. Yeah. And, th- and that's the balancing act. And we're not suggesting that this is easy by any means, and yet what I know is if that is your intention, if you simply set an intention of self-compassion, compassion for the other person and being clear on what you need and what boundaries you need going forward, uh, you're already going to be uh, on the right path. You're going to be moving in the right direction. What, I, what I'll caution those of you who um, might tend toward codependence as I did is you can't control the other person. So don't take all of this information and try and figure out how you can use it to get him or her to be or communicate differently. You're, you're, you're back in the wrong neighborhood again. Um, This is about you navigating conversations with as much skill and, um, and, uh, effectiveness as you can. And there are going to be times where the other person might be either temporarily triggered or just really off the rails and you're not going to have control over bringing them back. And so the question always becomes, given what is, what can I do? Um, Mm -hmm. And and so we're really talking about beginning to balance uh, these very complex uh, 
conversations with these individuals in the best way you can, being very mindful and um, and and coming at it with a skill set that you can develop over the course of time. Yeah. So we talked about the value of compassion. We talked about creating discerning boundaries. We talked about the balance between the two of those. What did we miss? And we talked about the, the keeping an eye on your on your codependent behavior. And so I think that that really covers it. Boundaries, I'm I'm such a big fan of boundaries. Boundaries are essential. Um, We have an article on the website, uh, Healthy Relationships Require Healthy Boundaries. There are boundary books by uh, Henry Cloud and John Townsend. Um, If codependence is your issue, Melanie Beattie is like the 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 queen of- The queen. The grandmother, right? I don't know which one. The grandmother. Codependence no more. And she has a lot of phenomenal phenomenal um, information out there. And we've also got a number of um, podcasts and blog posts on compassion and self-compassion. And so if these uh, issues uh, really resonate with you and, and also the series that Diane and I did on um, being triggered and yeah, the triggers series. So those are a lot of resources that you can uh, look up to help you along the way. And of course you can always email info at journeybeyonddivorce.com if you have a question or you'd like us to chat more on uh, this or a similar topic, you can reach out. Thanks Karen. What a great conversation. Great conversation. Thanks for joining me, Diane. For all you out there, we will be back again real soon with another episode of JBD Team Talks. Until then, take care. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.